Together we can mobilize a global mission force to finish the task. This is your tribe. Hello everyone, welcome to our, um, our weekly program and I think this is uh, one of the uh, most interesting um, uh, subjects and, and a person I have um, I've been planning um, having uh, him as our special guest for, um, for a long time and that is welcome uh, brother Bevan, uh, Bevan Gainer from, I don't know how to say it because you are from I believe the States but you're yeah. not really <laughs> in thailand but you exactly you live in uh, cambodia for for a while and uh, how you know that i think that's typical missionary right exactly uh, you're like where am i from you yeah, know? everywhere is home everywhere is not home and exactly uh, and he had a start um for me it's an online uh movement it's a school of uh, missionary advocacy however i think his effort is not more than just uh, an online course and but uh, he himself is a mobilizer. So for this program, this is a tribe and we are inviting yeah. our tribal people together because we are all mobilizers. So, so Bevan, good. Hey, yes, uh, it's good to have you. Oh, it's such an honor, such a privilege. Thank you for inviting me. Hey, that, you know, let's start with, um, with your story. What's your yeah. journey as a, as a mobilizer or as a missionary, so-called to say, and, um, and just a little bit about yourself, your family, and, and the journey. Is that all right? Yeah, that sounds great. I, as as you said, I missionary kid, so I didn't know exactly where to call home. I grew up in Zimbabwe, oh, really? Africa, <laughs> till age 11, and then uh, came back to the U.S., and I thought I was coming back to my home culture, but I really still was uh, what they call a third culture kid trying to mm. figure out which culture am I from. But in that, uh, you know, I definitely caught God's heart for the nations. And uh, I was actually, uh, maybe two decades ago, I actually had a dream in which this uh, bearded, scraggly, prophetic old guy came up in my face and was shaking his bony finger at me saying, blow that trumpet, boy, blow that trumpet. And it startled me awake, <laughs> you know. And all I remembered other than the old guy shouting at me was, uh, Isaiah 58. So I looked that up and it starts about talks about blowing a trumpet and waking up God's people. Um, and I, I didn't honestly didn't understand what that was, but I didn't forget it either. Mm -hmm. And then uh, many decades, I think later, I went through the Kairos course and I stayed on to become a facilitator of the Kairos course. And in the training, they put that verse up there and they said, this is the prophetic role of mobilizers. And I was like, oh, you know, that's what that was about. And uh, fortunately, I had been functioning in that because, uh, yeah, I, I was a big fan of Keith Green. He was a real prof prophetic, passionate Christian musician. And uh, he, in his journey, became friends with some YWAMers who took him on a missions trip. And so he got very riled up, very passionate about the reality that he suddenly realizes all these people with no access to the gospel. Mm -hmm. And so his one of his last albums, I think, was Jesus Commands Us to Go. And then he died unexpectedly in a small plane accident. And so his organization and YWAM partnered together to do this mobilization music tour. And so they would play some of his last footage 
And then in the footage, he would introduce Lauren Cunningham. And then in the concert, the real Lauren Cunningham from YWAM, leader of YWAM, would come walking out and just mobilize everybody into missions. And so I was there at the one in Hershey Park, Pennsylvania, and I got a picture of Revelation 7-9, not literally, but I was like, man, you know, if I got to Revelation 7-9 and I had a small part to play in one of those people groups being there, that would be a worthy cause, a worthy investment of my life. Mm -hmm. So that kind of guided me in a I made it through college and then made it paying off college. And then I finally joined Youth with a Mission. And I spent like 15 years trying to work very hard to turn postmoderns into missionaries uh, from a large campus there in Colorado Springs, uh, Colorado. But mm -hmm. then during that time, these guys in Latin America and Asia and Africa were inviting me to come. And I just started to see these amazing global south young people with clear character clear calling even equipping but not necessarily the support that they needed to actually get launched and that just really mm -hmm. stuck with me to the point where i eventually was mobilized here to asia and for the last five years we've been working in asia and i think i'm trying to flesh out what the center for missions mobilization calls frontier mobilization coming to places that already have some church and are trying to help them to take on their own inheritance in the nation. So that's been a little bit of my, my mobilization journey. Since you mentioned the frontier mobilization, I think this yeah. is a very new term. Yeah. Even for mobilization itself, it's, it's, it's a very new terminology in, in terms of missiology, theology. Um, right. So, so um, we, we used to hear about so-called the frontier missions. That means you go to the uh, the most enriched uh, you know people groups and the frontier right. people groups, um, and by frontier mobilization is is something else. It's is something yeah. relatively uh, new to many people, uh, but it was you know supposedly very important and crucial. Supposedly start from the very beginning, the mission uh, field become the mission force. So totally. tell me a little bit about that journey for you, right? Yeah, I mean, that's it. This such an exciting trend in the modern missions movement where God is transforming the mission field into the mission force and there are new sending nations. So we've known that the body of Christ in Asia, Africa and Latin America is growing stronger and more mature. And now you have leaders like yourself who are casting vision for missions. But and, and, and there are young men and women who are saying, yes, here am I, send me. And yet, in many cases, they don't have the support to, to actually get launched. There's, there's still work to help shift that mindset from we are a mission field to, oh, we can actually send workers. Mm -hmm. And so we should continue to do frontier mobilization where we have guys going and pioneering new things and new places. But I think there's another role for some people have called it globalizers, but people were going specifically <laughs> to come alongside. Let me write it down. Globalizers. <laughs> I like that. I, I didn't coin that, but, you know, to come alongside of these fledgling church planting movements and start to put in the DNA for missions cross-culturally at the beginning, because actually some of the best and most fruitful mobilization happens at the very beginning of a, of a church's movement, of a disciple's journey, rather than having to wait, you know, decades later and try to graft it in, put it in later. It's better if it's in the original DNA from the beginning. That is the most fruitful 
strategic mobilization I think we can do. So that's what we were trying to flesh out in places like Cambodia for us as a family. Well, that's really great. Uh, just tell me a little bit more about your family. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I am a blessed man. I, I married, I met and married this amazing Okinawan girl. This is a people group in Japan. And so yeah. if you we, think about we, island. We, we Taiwanese, we love Okinawa. Yes. This is yes. the number one destination for tourism. <laughs> and I, and we miss it for, because for the last two years, nobody could go nowhere. <laughs> they have a unique gift from God, I think, because they would bring all the people back every five years and reintroduce everybody to Okinawan culture. And it became clear that they love to go travel, but not to conquer, but just to, to set up trade and learn new things and bring back the good stuff home. And so that's in Judy, uh, my, my bride. And she totally took the courage to launch out from Okinawa to come to America to become a rich businesswoman. And she was making six figures in a, as a partner in a software company, but she had been introduced to Jesus. And so uh, she came back to Jesus at that time. And then actually in the Bible school she was going to, YOM was doing the missions week. And she got so excited about going and doing these crazy things in the nation's and eventually came and did her discipleship training school. And that's where I met her. And uh, we've been going for 22 years together now. Wow. And now we have a 13-year-old son also. Well, it's not used with a mission for you now. It's like, <laughs> well, after 22 years. Exactly. <laughs> okay, tell, uh, tell us a little bit more about uh, the, the initiative you uh, taken as, you know, for the Frontier Missions. Uh, and uh, for, for YWAN and also uh, in terms of school um, yeah. per se, is, is that a, a real school or is it an online school or is it a combination of both? It is an online school at this time because we're trying to get easy access to primarily Global South leaders all around the world. But uh, yeah, I am serving as the global, uh, as the elder for the mobilization circle of YWAM Frontier Missions. And Frontier Missions within Youth with a Mission is that part that's really focused, laser focused on catalyzing disciple making movements among unreached people groups. And, uh, and yet they've really come to realize that if we want to find those key apostolic uh, catalysts for disciple making movements, we have to really invite a lot of people in what we call the mobilization funnel. So we need a lot of people working at the wide end of the funnel to just say, come on in, find your role in the Great Commission. And then invite them into more specific training for disciple-making movements, or, or we realized actually that there's all kinds of training for the trainers, there's training for the pastors, there's training for the evangelists, there's training for the missionaries, all kinds of training, but not so much training specifically for this role of those who are called to build a bridge between the body of Christ and the unreached and those serving among them. And so I, I've just had that on my heart and finally had the time actually during this COVID season to launch something I've been working on for years and years and years, which is probably about 55, four to five minute video lessons, each one unpacking one principle. And I've really worked hard to distill things down to principles because as you know so well, we have mobilization happening in so many different contexts, mobilization happening in Latin America, in Asia and Africa, so many different places. So it can't be 
oh, this is exactly how you do mobilization because that would work in my context. So the principles hopefully can be unpacked with the help of the Holy Spirit and contextualized for each, each context. And so I just have finally got that launched and it's, it's a self-paced course where people can go through at their own time and uh, but I am really hoping in the future, working very hard right now to develop one that's more of a cohort model where we'd have like 30 people go through it together and process each lesson together, because I think then there will be much more application. Yeah, it's always good to have company, uh, you know, uh, yeah, especially you're serving, you're, you're learning or studying. Uh, yeah. You know, it's more like a competition sometimes and it makes you <laughs> like excited and but if you do it for yourself, you know, because I've been witnessing that, uh, especially for uh, during this COVID period, you know, a lot of people doing self-learning and stuff. So it's it's very draining, you know. You're, yeah. you're lacking of motivation, and you're distracted yeah. by Netflix and HBO. <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> All right. Totally. Well, since, since you, you you mentioned about the school of uh, um, mission mobilization, or you called it uh, missionary advocacy. Yes. Um, but why when is known for big rally and and you know big campaigns? You know you have yeah. Um, you know this very famous one in Brazil and another one uh, or, or other movements like finishing the task and other things. I I met uh, Lauren uh, Lauren Cunningham once uh, a few years ago back in Korea. There were like five thousand people gathering together, um, but. You know, often they're being criticized or being, you know, being being considered as you know big flames and big events, and and people easy, uh, you know, get very excited and passionate, and you know, answering the call and take up your shoes and say, Dario, here we go, here we go." But you know, but but by the end of the day, we we still not seeing a lot of people coming out of, out of their comfort zone, and I think. Uh, mobilization is not just, uh, you know, calling people uh, to make a difference, but also to journey with them. Well, yes. how, do say, how do you say that? I mean, because you are well, oh, I, I don't want to be judgmental, but I'm just saying, this is what I've been experiencing uh, and yeah. I've been witnessing. So I want yeah. to hear from you. Oh, I love that question so much, you know, because I, I love the events. I've done events and I think we should keep doing events, but Historically, and as you as you know, it seems to be continuing. When for every 100 people that say, "Here am I, send me," only like two or three actually get launched into the nations. Yeah. So there's some huge gap there, and I think part of the gap is a lack of mentors, a lack of men and women with the heart of Barnabas. Because I know that we're very excited about apostolic guys who go and pioneer new things, but we got to remember that for for Saul to become Paul, there had to be a Barnabas. And I really think we need many more uh, leaders with that same heart of Barnabas to come alongside of these guys who are rough, unpolished, you know, Saul's and, and, and walk with them, you know, because I'll confess to you, I, I am wired as a teacher. I do a lot of training and a lot of teaching, but I have become disillusioned, I would say, with the fruitfulness of just getting information in our brain, you know, because people are like, they get like, I know something and they wrote it down in their notebook, but they're never, we become disciples who understand a lot and not disciples who are applying things. 
And the only thing that I see that really helps change that is if we have coaches and mentors who can help say, okay, you had this intention, you have this goal, what's the next step? And did you take that? How's it going? And just to keep us walking forward, then there's a whole lot more fruit. And I think a lot more of those people will actually get to the places they wanted to go when they said, here am I, send me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, do, I do echo you and, and I do agree. And I think that's very important. Uh, somebody to journey, you know, and I think it's, it should be more like a, a an ecosystem that you, yeah. have, you have water, you have air, you have people, you know, you know, ready to go, but also at the same time, you have the, you know, you know, nutrition for, for the, for the solid ground. And, and also, you know, for, for plants to grow in, in that sense. I, yeah. So here comes my, my third question. I think it's more about, um, togetherness how do you see that you know different organizations between uh church and and missions and between individuals and uh you know and 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 people who want to uh contribute to the kingdom there are just so many but how how can people really work together and or so-called lack of it yeah that is a big question i'm so glad grateful you are uh, advocating for that and asking for that and and coordinating that kind of collaboration. I, I, I have really been impacted by a story that comes from Todd Johnson. He's a YWAMer, but he's also the director of the Global Center for the Study of Global Christianity. Yeah. And he was at a big event, a big gathering where you had the typical people on the stage and then you had you know leaders from all over, Asia, Africa, and Latin America. And the leaders on the stage said, on the stage said, we are so happy to invite you to the table, so happy that you've gathered at the table with us. Mm -hmm. And the African leader leaned over to Todd and said, actually, we want to be invited into the kitchen. <laughs> you know, and I was just like, oh, that is it, you know. So yeah. it, it's one thing for me to have this content with a bald white guy talking, but that is not the end goal. The end goal is to identify mm -hmm. these uh, capable global South, you know, missions leaders and, and, and then empower them to take that content or others that they uniquely see and contextualize it for their context. So I think we really need to be very humble, very open-handed with everything to say, to really give it away and allow people to take it, adapt it and, and run with it. And I've actually been really encouraged to see with, with my content, my school, some folks say, we don't need to reinvent the wheel. We'll just walk our leaders through this. But then they say, oh, we, we do need to change these things and we do need it in our language. And, and, they, and, and I'm privileged to, to get in the kitchen with them. And, and I want to see more of that, you know? <laughs> you, you know what? Um, I think it's, it's very important uh, uh, for, for especially Asian people uh, you know, the, the, the food culture, uh, you know, having the food around the table, yeah. you know, we, we Chinese use using chopsticks, but we share the, you know, all different dishes all together is not, you know, your set, my set, but, you know, right. everything is related to, um, to, to that. And, and it is very cultural and very political. And it's, it's very important. I think that's, uh, you know, for, for most of South Asians, Southeast Asia, Asians, uh, share very similar value together, but I think that togetherness is not just uh, being polite. You know, right. oh, this, 
so so please say something or you know <laughs> or this is your time to express yourself but more at the listening ears and and and, and especially the heart um so uh, just one question following that one um especially in terms of vocational missionaries like so-called the real missionaries <laughs> or the, the lay people, you know, more and more we're talking about, uh, you know, being missional is more important to be a missionary. So how do you see that? And there's, there are some conflicts in, you know, in between all these definitions, but how do you see that as, you know, you're, you're a white woman, you're a full-timer, but, you know, how do you see these people who uh, have maybe have a day job or you're, uh, you're a housewife and how can you contribute to, to the greater, um, greater good or the kingdom yeah boy that that is such an important question and i i don't know how to be super concise about it but it because i feel like this that question right there could be a whole conversation mm -hmm. we try to unpack because we're trying to say two things at once one is yes every single believer is on mission with god but not every single believer is a missionary you know so we're trying to just say yes the reason we came up with the word missional is because we're trying to carve out a place that should be normal Christianity, <laughs> where everybody's, you know, with the same heart as a missionary going to their daily job to, to be an influence for the kingdom of God and to reach people. But we still, I think, I lean on the side of like that, that cross-cultural piece is what it's talking about when we're talking about a missionary or missions. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and yet every single believer, the reason I'm a mobilizer is not just to find people who will go as missionaries, but to actually empower every single believer to find their role in the Great Commission. Because I think even if they're primarily called to their vacation in Chicago, they can still be very involved in welcoming the unreached that are coming to Chicago, praying for the unreached in Afghanistan and supporting workers in you know Tajikistan and all these things can be happening simultaneously where they are really actively involved in in missions in the Great Commission yeah. from yeah. wherever they're at geographically and whatever they're doing vocationally. Yeah, I I, I do agree hundred percent. I think that's um, sometimes the uh, the the conflict or conception of the context will will make us look like you know, we're, we're trying to have a conflict with something, you know, with, with all these people. Now, especially for, for the pastors local in, the, in the local church, he says, how do you even get to know that, uh, you know, how many things we have to deal with every yeah. day, you know, because of this pandemic and all our yeah. stuff will get online and, you know, I still need to go to the funerals and, and you know, right. some people have, you know, babies and, you know, so how can you just just say we are not missional? You know everything we do. Exactly. And yeah, I, I try to come and uh, and have a have a better understanding of where they come from. But also at the same time, I I struggle with that as a mobilizer. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a very legitimate struggle because I mean it's a hard sell to to come to a pastor who is who is trying to make things work for local outreach with very limited budget. And then you're saying, yeah, but we also need to care about the unreached over there. And he's like, we're not even doing all that we have in our heart to do here locally. And you want us to think about that. And so there's so much work to do worldview wise to try to make a case that when we give in the face of our need, God is going to expand the budget to be able to do more locally and globally. But another piece that really helped me is what Ralph Winter said. Uh, he said, all men are equally 
lost, but not all men are equally needy. And so I just kind of affirmed to that pastor, hey, I get it. The people in the streets of your city are as lost as the people over there. They're equally lost. In fact, I'll add to that. They're equally loved by God. You know, so this is just, I, I want you to know that I really know that pastor. But then once I affirm that, I can say, but yet there are, you know, one third of the planet roughly who have no access. They're not equally needy. And so try to try to work things out that way. <laughs> All right. So here comes the, the, the big question. So uh, as, I, as I mentioned earlier, uh, but also I want to ask you again, you know, what is the one thing for you? What is the, what's the most important thing? What, what, what's on your heart? You want to see by the end of the yeah. day, you know, when, when we're there, Revelation 7, 9, we're Revelation 5, 9, yeah. you know, we are there. All right. So yeah. what do you want to see? What, what's the one thing? I, I, um, I want to see Jesus worshiped. You know, I really, I, I think that we can get all kinds of motivations for missions. And it's good to talk about the biblical basis of missions, but another important topic is biblical motivations for missions. And it's really possible to get very passionate about the unreached and kind of get reaching the lost on the throne of our hearts. And that is just uncool. Jesus is to be on the throne of our hearts. Jesus is going to be at the throne at the end of the story. It's all about him. And, uh, and so I, the, the means of getting there for me, the piece that I feel like he's asked me to do to contribute to that point, getting to that point of Jesus receiving the reward of his suffering is, is to try and raise up, identify, equip, and encourage more of these Global South missions advocates, missions mobilizers who can come alongside of their communities and help them engage with the Great Commission. Yeah, that's my piece. <laughs> <laughs> so because I, I asked you about this, but um, when, when we as mobilizers, sometimes we just say, you know, mobilization is the thing, right? But by the end of the day, it's not about mobilization. It's, it's about that's right. you know, the, the, the job being done. And, and I think yeah. we talk about a lot, uh, you know, regarding the, the, the knowing or, or, you know, learning of, you know, the knowledge about the need around the world, the strategic, uh, you know, plans, you know, like yeah. this, this, this very map right here. Exactly. You know, it's, it's from a perspective, listen, I is, you know, it's a study, um, you know, have a lot of uh, legacy from, from likes like uh, Top Johnson's and, and many others, uh, Operation World. And, yeah. but by the end of the day, it's not about the numbers. It's about, <laughs> there are just so many people who haven't heard about Jesus, right? Yeah. It's an injustice. It's a gospel deprivation injustice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Tell us a little bit about, the, uh, you know, your, your, your next move and your, your, your desire and the plans and in terms of the school and and just in why went in general frontier missions and what what's what's coming up uh especially this is a new normal and uh <laughs> how, how are we going to deal with that oh i hope you have the answer but because most of people don't yeah <laughs> <laughs> i know i i believe we are trying to figure out how to do transformational training online and i think Part of the secret is to actually, like you said, do it together. We can have a cohort. We can actually gather together and process together. And, and, uh, and yet, at the same time, I think God is preparing an incredible harvest. 
And what's so amazing is that right, the body of Christ was so diverse right now. So some of the best people to reach the most unreached parts of the world already live there. And so we have, uh, you know, believers in access to large majority of the most unreached places. And so what can we do to do frontier mobilization? What can we do to uh, come alongside of the guys who are on the ground in all those places and empower them to, to mobilize their goers and their senders? And uh, I think that'll do a lot of damage. So my, my passion in my role with YOM Frontier Missions is to continue to raise up not only uh, future missionaries, but mentors, men with the heart of Barnabas who are going to walk with these guys. Because I think, like you said, there's a lot of people gathering in large groups and saying, here am I, send me, raising their shoes or whatever. But unless we have those mentors, those men and women with the heart of Barnabas, we're still not going to, it's going to be the same results, really. And so it's great to continue training online and in whatever way we can, face-to-face -face if at all possible. But really, I think the secret sauce for missions mobilization is to identify you know, leaders like yourself who are going to gather and say, how can we encourage each other? What is our tribe? How can we keep going so that we, the, we multiply ourselves? One very last question. Uh, what, yeah. is, what is mobilization to you? It really is discipleship. <laughs> you know, it's like anytime you're working with a believer, they are in this mobilization journey of finding their role in the Great Commission. I think I break the world into two groups, those who don't know Jesus. So my job is to evangelize and introduce them to Jesus. But anybody else, they're in this mobilization journey of understanding more and more what God is asking them to do. So my job is to mobilize them. And I think that whether I'm a pastor or a teacher, uh, you know, trainer, whatever, I can embrace the mobilization facet of what I'm doing, which is to not only help those disciples to be happy and go to heaven, but to find their role in the Great Commission before they go there. <laughs> Amen. Thank you. So, Brother Bevan, uh, just uh, one last word, if you want to share with the tribe, with the Global Mobilization Network, or, you know, you know, whatever is watching this. Um, what will be um, just one encouragement, you, uh, one word, one sentence or something like and you want to encourage us, uh, encourage yourself that, um, you know, we, yeah. God, God is worthy uh, and, and just encourage you on us, of us. Yeah, my word to us is that we're not alone. We, we do have a legitimate and essential role in the Great Commission, and uh, it might not be clearly understood by the vast majority of the body of Christ, but it's growing, it's happening, and there is movement, and there is growing understanding of this strategic role, so don't give up and multiply yourselves. We need more of you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much for your time. I appreciate it very much. I, I would love to hug you, uh, but uh, all I can do is, you know, give you a fist pounding. Is that all right? There you go. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Have a good one. Thank, Thank you, brother. Thank you very much. And uh, well, look forward to see you face to face sometime. Grace and peace. See you